Welcome everyone to the Connor Carrick podcast. We'll be starting today uh, with an Ask Me Anything. We're talking all things uh, high performance, mental, uh, physical, health, and well-being. We'll talk some hockey. Colin Steingart is here to help me along with the questions. Uh, thank you, guys. Let's do this. Before we jump into questions, Connor, why don't we um, take a step back and why don't you talk to us about why you wanted to start this this podcast and what your intention and motivation was like behind it? Well, it's been a long time coming. It's something we've talked about, you know, want to do since last summer when we did the YouTube video. And when it, it's kind of a pull, you know, every time we get out of the, the grind of, of the day-to-day season, you know, I think about um, wanting to participate in I don't know the the improvement of of others' lives on on a bigger scale. You know when I'm when I'm trying to break pucks out that you kind of you miss or 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 you don't you don't take place in. Um, so part of this is to you know try and connect with with friends and family and 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 have a longer conversation. Uh, part of this is to influence like the next level of of student athlete um, and talk to them. You know talk with them. Uh, you know through some of the growing pains that I went through as a, as a young player and, and person in this game. And then finally, I just think it's cool to have a podcast. You can, you can call anybody up and, and they'll pick up the phone and, and lend them an hour of your time. And, uh, you know, you want to talk to cool, interesting people. And I think it'll help me better do my current job. So it's kind of a, it's, it's one stone that, you know, kills a lot of birds. If anyone has followed you for some time knows that, uh, you you do share a lot, whether it's about like specific elements of your routine, like your journaling or day planning, how you trained to stoicism, to how you eat. It's clear that it doesn't really come from a place of selfishness. But why do you feel the pull to share so much? Why is it to serve the community? What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think I don't know. As I as I try to build like my adult life, I realize how like easily I'm influenced as a person, you know, in terms of like trying to steal things of greatness from people that I really look up to, you know, whether that's Gary Vaynerchuk, the the rock, Nicholas Lidstrom, um, you know, whomever's sort of window into their life that I can get a look at. Uh, there's always something you can learn. I find. And, you know, I realize that, you know, being in the NHL, being a pro athlete, I'm a leader to somebody like we all are leaders in our communities as, as players. Um, and I, I just, I have to imagine that offering the way that I see life, the way that I go through life, you know, might be able to reframe something, uh, for somebody, um, where they're able to, it's amazing how little improvements stack up over time. And all of a sudden your, your daily life looks completely different over three months, six months, a year. Uh, and you can really sort of build who you want to be uh, if you're conscientious about it and have access to the right, you know, tools and mentors. And if someone wants to to take a look at my life and and think that I, you know, see what I'm doing well and what they what's not for them, um, I think that's a that's a great resource I can be in our in our world today. Let's get right into it. 
So Eli Brown asked me, uh, what is your fondest memory on the ice? You know, this game, you start out, it's such a family-oriented game, and I'm so fortunate to, like, you know, the sacrifice that mom and dad, you know, made for me to to play it. My, I think my fondest memory is when I was a kid, we used to go up to this, uh, we had a house up in Galena, Illinois, and there was this pond that would freeze over in the winter, and my dad had, like, these red and yellow, like, Cooper leather gloves, and then underneath them, he'd put his winter gloves because it was, you know, so cold, and we'd buzz around out there, me, my brother Hunter, uh, my brother Blake, my dad, my mom would kind of hang out on the on the side. There was like a little um, house. You'd get hot chocolate, like Swiss Miss, whatever. And uh, my dad would kneel on his Cooper leather gloves and I would shoot pucks at him and he would catch them with his, with his winter, you know, glove. And um, I'd say that was like, it's still, it's very crisp. It's, it, it fades a little bit on, if I'm not really trying to picture it. Uh, but, you know, I'll never forget like the one winter I started to shoot too hard and that game was over. And it was kind of uh, like a cool marking point in my development as a kid. But I mean, that was, you know, to go back and be that six or seven year old ripping pucks at dad, what's better, you know, that was a blast. Mm-hmm. Eli had another one where he goes, uh, what do you like to do during your downtime during the season and off season? Um, make a bunch of coffee <laughs> <You know? laughs> where I just, uh, make enough pour overs to, you know, get my heart to shake. Um, during the off season, it's more golf, like checking out my brothers and that kind of thing. And then in season, I'd say it's more just managing energy for, for the next game and then kind of picking spots where, you know, I can be a good family man, like at home, you know, it can get stiff. It, the, the routine can get stale. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, Lexi will ask me like, Hey, can we do a movie night tonight? You know, instead of watching, uh, you know, whoever's playing the Rangers the night before they come to play us. Yeah. Um, so that's been something that I've, I've tried to work on, like building, making room for fun during the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, during the off season, I, I think it's, it's, it's a lot more family time. We want to have more barbecues and things like that. We've been able to travel a bit for weddings and stuff the last couple of years and the off season books up pretty quick, but, um, you just, you prioritize the work and make room for the fun and that's kind of your day. Yeah. Josh Elkin asks, when did you begin your daily journals? Did it take time to go from, um, it being a part of your daily routine to making it feel like it, it made a big difference? I think it made a big difference. Lexi came home with this five minute gratitude journal when I was playing in Toronto and, and just the mental landscape there was, I was, you know, struggling a bit career wise, just to handle the ebbs and flows of it. Uh, it was really my first full season in the NHL. Uh, we had some expectations of it as a team. I had some expectations on myself as a player. Um, you know, Mike Babcock can be, uh, he is who he is. It's he's, he's, you know, not, uh, bashful about it. He can be hard on guys. And, and I wanted to come to the rink ready for whatever was thrown my way that day. I wanted to get to a consistent place mentally. And then I wanted to really check back in when I got home to kind of drop what, whatever was going on at the rink. Cause I, I, I was always someone that kind of carried my work home with me. I, I was raised where like, if you played bad, it was, 
it was a sign of competitiveness if you were in a bad mood all the way until you rectified it, you know, until you were able to play well again. And in the NHL, you, you just play too much if you want to ride those emotional roller coasters. Like it'd be all over the map, uh, and your family just doesn't know who you're getting every day. So that was a huge. You can ask, you know, maybe we'll get Lexi on, you know, one of these AMAs that she can take over the mic. But, um, you know, she says it was pretty profound, and she's got to deal with me every day. So I I take her word for it. Mm-hmm. He also asked a second question. And I like this. Um, of course, we want, we want you to have a long, healthy, successful career. But he asked, not to put the cart in front of the horse, but what, what are your post-playing career aspirations? Every player, I think, you know, you're always, you got your cup of knowledge. You've got like, you know, my experience of pro hockey is unique. You know, not everyone's played for the guys I've played for. Not everyone's been in the organizations at the times that I have. And you're always just checking off, you know, practices that you liked and practices that, you know, you'd do differently if it was my ship the next day. So whether it's coaching or managing, um, that'd be a unique challenge. That's something I'll make a decision on at the end of my career. I think to go totally abstract, I've always been obsessed with like the body and how it works and how it's, you know, treated and trained. And, um, you know, if, if, you know, money and time and, and the, you know, the challenges of schooling were, were you know, I don't know, I guess if the stars align, I'd consider being like an osteopath or like a high-end physical therapist kind of thing. I think that'd be really cool. And then I think the the self-help industry, you know, in terms of high-performance coaching is something that uh, I've improved a lot of, of my life with. And, and you know, it'd be something I'd, I'd consider. And for now, this kind of goes back to the journaling where like I consider myself, if I ever wanted to do that, as like my first client. So I, if I can't Mm. walk the walk, you know, I'm not going to get up there and tell people they should live their life. So I try to really put the work in, you know, there. And, um, it's been an interesting process. Um, I got one from Stephanie Estima. So she said, uh, I love that you speak weekly about mental health Monday and you being aware to mental resilience and mental fitness. How, if any, has your mental health routines changed? Have you increased the frequency and or duration of your tried and tested tools and strategies? Have you adopted any new practices? The answer is yes. Um, the biggest challenge for me is to stay consistent with them. So I know if I'm being stubborn or, or stuck on something or I'm frustrated, breath works great, but you got to get out of your own way enough to sit down and, and breathe for, you know, literally me today. <laughs> exactly. You know, like you, you get it where you're, you, because you're frustrated, you won't do it. Um, but the biggest project I'm working on is how to bring more magic and like flow and fun and play into my life. I think a lot of the self-help I read that's that's kind of like Western culture is like how to take control of your mindset. And if you you feel bad or you're feeling down for a day, like how to you know, the fire, you're taught to get that fire to burn hot all the time. And I just think that like low and slow and flow and fun, there's a lot to be learned there. There's a lot to be enjoyed there. And I think it's a more sustainable sort of model. And that I already have a lot of those type A personalities. I always, you know, try to think of things in terms of, you know, grade myself. Have I been productive or not today? Um, you know, so I think that this whole 
concept of, of play and, and being able to forget about time and space and work on a talent or, or, or get into a book. I mean, how hard is it? I've realized too, like, you know, when I was in school and high school, I'd be able to read bang out 50, 60, a hundred pages mm-hmm. of a book. No problem. Like now we live in like the Twitter world where if anything's got my attention for more than two minutes, it's, it's a new record, you know? So I've tried to <laughs> like learn how to really dive into something and forget about, you know, where I'm at and what I'm doing and just, you know, give myself to that. So that's been a big, it's hard to work on that, right? Like from a, like sets and reps scheme, you just kind of got to feel your way through it. Elisa Haggerty talks about that a lot. She's kind of the one that, um, you know, I did a, a Instagram live with her the other day and, and she brought it up and it's been something I've tried to challenge myself to, to get into again, you know, like a kid. This one's good. This one's from Kevin Rooney. Rooney. So Rooney's, Rooney said, Connor, you've been lucky enough to play with some great players on different teams. Who is the most talented player you have played with? Strictly raw talent, hardest working teammate and favorite teammate you've been around other uh, than obviously me and Johnny Hayes, uh, Johnny Hayden. First off, Runes and John Hayden are two of, the, and I've played with a lot of really good guys, like two of the best guys I've ever played with. They'll be lifelong friends. Like I, I hope we play 10 years together for the Devils and, and you know, we can rebound next year kind of thing uh, or the rest of this year if we, if, granted, we play again. But just, it's been a, I love coming to the rink with those two. Um, every day raw talent. It's hard to go with anybody other than Ovi. Like Alex Ovechkin scored so consistently for so long. And he's, he does it on like raw power and he's just such a tank in in the way that he plays. Um, but you know, when I was in Toronto with Matthews and Marner, those two, I think someone with like Matt's ability to score five on five by himself is so uncanny. And then Mitch, he's just like Rubik's cube in the ice all the time. He's a, he's a Patrick Kane type where the plays that he makes, the awareness he has, the, how often he's able to get himself out of trouble, how he, he, he's never hurt. He's never hit. Um, he's slippery. Man, a guy showers in Greece. Like between <laughs> between the three of those, it's really hard. But you got to go with Alex Ovechkin. Like he's he's got a cup. He's the captain of the team that's got a cup. Uh, he scored, you know, 50, 60, 40 goals every season. He's been in the league. Um, Best goal scorer of our generation, basically. He's got to be. He's got to be. And I don't know how you could argue... You know, I, I know I'm of the generation, but I don't know how you could argue not the best of all time just because of how hard it is to score now. He's he's unreal. All right, we got a question from Dan Voss, a Chicago native, Dan Voss. Fellow um, Chicagoan, duh, Bears. Duh, Bears. He says, duh, Bears. what are some practical steps you are taking to focus on mental health during this time of quarantine? I think just learn about myself. Like you spend so much time um, with yourself. Like I'm not in traffic, trying to avoid people. I'm not going to the grocery store, you know, having, you know, being absent. Like you're in your own head a lot, in my own head a lot. I've always been a busy bee. I've always tried to race against the day and like create a bunch of things on my checklist and check them all off. And I was able to do this. And, you know, just like we were talking about um, with Stephanie Estima's question, but what I've really noticed is how much I actually enjoy 
stillness and downtime and being at home. I, I think it's something I'll really protect uh, once normal life resumes to, to really make room for. And I, I don't, I think it's a Tony Robbins, you know, um, sort of phrase where he's like, you know, if, if I want to know what you care about, you know, show me your schedule, you know, show me your bank, like show me what you're spending money and time on. If that's what you care about. And I would say like, I wasn't necessarily one before this to like schedule, sit at home with nothing to do, sit at home and just have dinner for three hours, cook it, make it, enjoy it, clean it, and then sit there and bask in how good it was. Like, that's not something I'd always do, especially, especially in the off season in season. I think I do because you're playing so much that you value that rest time so much, but in the off season, it's just a melee. Like they're, you're on your own schedule. You make it yourself. Um, you know, you're trying to make time for, for everyone and anybody just cause I'm home. I think that alone time has been so, you know, precious with our family. Mm. And that goes back to you trying to enhance your flow state, enhance, you know, being able to put that phone down and just be present with whatever's going on. And, and, well, and try and like, and try and there was a, there was a strength coach I follow on Instagram. I forget, but he, he suggested where he's like, you know, we should be trying to like, personal best. We should be trying to PR in everything we do. It shouldn't just be like a gym exercise to, to hit a new weight or a new max, right? Like you should try to have the best family day ever. Like I'm gonna have the personal best family day. That's just not something I like work towards or made room for, um, for sometimes like periods of time. I'm not, you know, totally proud of. All right, I got two questions on Twitter. One from Erky the Clerk and one from Tim Morris. And they're basically touching on the same question. And it was, how is it dealing with the pressures of playing for the Leafs? Um, You still got a lot of Leafs fans um, out there. Um, But also, what were the perks of playing in Toronto? So it's kind of two-ended. I love playing in Toronto. Like The team was supposed to be good. Uh, Generally, we were. uh, everything about it was first class, you know, like everything about coming to the rink every day, the professionalism that was demanded, the resource in terms of development coaches, uh, the way we traveled, the way the the food was prepped at the rink, like everything about it, um, you know, reeked the creme de la creme of, of the NHL. You know, in terms of the pressure, I don't know, I didn't have the the microphone stuck in my face every night, you know, if we were in a series against Boston and, Connor, why didn't you score tonight? Like that, that wasn't, you know, what was going on. Um, at the same time, I, I think, uh, you know, you'd be wrapping up for bed and maybe check your phone one more time than you should. And like someone would say, Hey, are you done with the turnovers yet? Or you got another one coming tomorrow night, you know? And, and it, the odd time, if I wasn't in the right frame of mind, that gets back to like the gratitude journal where, you know, if I was in a place to kind of navigate the pressures better, it's because I was doing my job in terms of getting like level-headed. And then sometimes if you were, uh, you know, short on, short on poise or patience that night, you know, maybe it gets to you and keeps you up a bit. We got another Twitter question from B Jimmer one. He said, what are you doing to keep yourself in shape? Knowing that 
you probably can't hit the weights for a while because you're because granted you're on quarantine. Is your diet any different now than it was when you were playing? So, how are you training right now to keep it up? And how are you eating right now to maintain? I'm eating less just because we're not around like an NHL buffet constantly, you know, where there's just endless amounts of food. I got to make and clean it all myself. So, I'm eating like a meal and a half to two meals a day. I'm fasting like 16, 18 hours. Uh, some days I'll do like a bulletproof coffee in the morning, but that's probably every third. Or, that's more of a delicacy right now. Uh, and then training wise, just trying to, it's a blend. So like postseason, normally you're just trying to get healthy, stay mobile, heal tissue, uh, get moving properly again, sleep good again. So trying to do all that. And there's just a little bit more like revving of the engine with the thought that, Hey, we could get an email today that says the NHL is back on in two weeks. Um, so it's, 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 it's a little bit of a, it's a one of one, you know, off season training sort of protocol right now. All right. We have a question from Lauren Johnson. Um, close friend, Alexi and I's um, currently with uh, John Hayden, also best friend. So the, f- the four of us are, are all good friends. She said, uh, you're pretty young entering the NHL your rookie year. What was the moment like when you realized you were going to get that opportunity to play in the NHL that year? How did you deal with the initial pressure and anticipation of your dream coming true? Um, honestly, I was just, I was so competitive through the training camp of trying to make it happen. Like every day is game seven. Like you're just waiting to show up at the rank with a garbage bag uh, and you're in your, your, you know, the name above your stall is gone and Hey, you know, Oti was our head coach, Adam Oates at the time. Oti wants to talk to you. I knew things started to get real. It was that summer in development camp. Uh, Steve Richmond was the head of player development there. And he pulled me aside and was like, Hey, you know, just letting you know, like you're, you're playing really well. Like I need you to wrap your head around this, but you're going to play in the national hockey. Like you're going to play in the NHL. I was like, oh, no, th- you know, thank you. And he kind of grabbed me, like, f- physically and brought me close. It was at the uh, Marriott there in Boston. Did it shake you up? It, it, what he said next kind of shook me up. He goes, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. Like, when you come back for main camp in the fall, like, it's game on. Like, you, you have a real chance to play now. And that kind of totally shifted the way I went about the rest of the summer because I was getting ready to play against, you know, grown men, grown pros. Um, and it, it changed my whole demeanor coming into, there was like a week long rookie camp and then the main training camp started and I started to play. I was producing some points. They're giving me a bunch of opportunities like power play time, penalty kill time. I was playing uh, the day I signed my contract, it was like four or five days before the regular season. I scored that night on the power play against Boston. Uh, I signed my contract on, on the flight to the game because you fly the day of in preseason. And I think I played, I checked the stat sheet after I played like 28 minutes. And it, I kind of didn't know that they don't give these opportunities to like every prospect just because. Um, and, and that's when it really started to get real. And then that day I found out just doing the math, doing the numbers, like scrolling Twitter, checking the waiver wire. Um, and I, I, it was between me and another D man. And, and once he hit the waiver wire, I'm like, 
I think that's it. Uh, I've shared this story before. Uh, Don Fishman was the assistant GM, kind of the numbers guy. And to this day, I think it's the coolest thing that I own. It's in a manila folder in my house, and it's just a, it's just a printout it's just of a screenshot on a phone. So every NHL GM, they have like these, uh, these like war rooms where they have a depth chart of all these magnets of guys' last names mm-hmm. uh, from around the league. And I think it's just to keep track of the landscape. So Don Fishman being the, the cap guru, got a text from George McPhee. This is what he told me. And he said, the, the text was, can we do this? Question mark. And my name, I didn't have a magnet because I wasn't expected to make the club at all. Uh, I was written in in marker on the roster. So it's like Ovi, Backstrom, you know, Brooks, like, yeah, Grabowski, whomever we had that year. And uh, it was like the inception, the exact moment that I was considered in the NHL. And he printed it out for me and I'm going to get it framed someday. And, um, but to me, that was like the coolest, uh, it's the coolest memento I have. Lauren Johnson has one more. She says, if you could look back in time and tell your 10 to 13 year old self, any advice or words of wisdom, what would it be? Well, that's why we're here. Um, the 10 to 13 year old me, I, uh, I took my development so seriously. I really, really took to working hard and trying to build my game. Um, I dreamed really big at a young age. Like my family was so supportive and, and it was always a question of like, why not me? Why not? Why can't you play in the NHL? Someone's going to do it. I think it goes back to where I'm at. I'm like my mental development now in terms of trying to create more fun and, and, and enjoying the process more because I was so results oriented and anytime that wouldn't go my way from, you know, youth hockey on up through junior and, and even in the minor leagues is, you know, I would just punish myself, you know, for the way things, if, if things weren't going well. Um, and sort of that negative self talk, uh, it, it doesn't do me any good anymore. It used to really motivate me. You know, I used to come from a place of fear, like someone's going to get picked for this team. And of course I love the game too. Um, I just wish I had a, a growing up, I had a better relationship with the ups and downs because they are so certain They're to the point where at the end of summers now, where it's been months since I gotten hit from behind. It's been months since I've had a big laceration on my face. It's been months since I've broken a bone. I'll like, are you ready for this? Like I'll check in. Like, are you ready for the war? Are you ready for what's going to go down the next eight, nine, 10 months? Cause it's going to happen. Like it's going to hit the fan at some point. You know, where are you? Are you ready for, you know, barbecues on Friday night on the rooftop? Are you ready for those to end? Uh, and I, and I am cause I, I love this game and I love the challenge of being a pro and playing in the NHL. Like I just, uh, I'm working now even to like, you can't, you can't walk in the storm when it's raining and expect not to get wet. Um, so that's kind of, if I was a young kid changing my relationship with failure, changing my relationship with the process and just finding a, a way to where it's more sustainable. I think that's, 
I think a lot of kids burn out. I was lucky I was like successful long enough um, that if I was telling myself I wasn't good enough, I had other people doing it. Mm. So, uh, you know, I just, I've seen how double-edged that sword can be. Kind of building on the last question, John Hayden, uh, Lauren Johnson's boyfriend, uh, fellow best friend and, and cross-checking dummy in practice for the New Jersey Devils currently. Um, he said, building off that advice to the young self, he goes, what things uh, do you thank your past self for? And this is where it gets interesting because I know the player I am today, you know, I dance with that fear. I dance with that fear of being left behind, of being cut, of not being good enough. Uh, and I, that intense desire and, and hatred of losing got me very far in terms of, you know, I'm living my dream. I'm playing the national hockey. This is it. That's what you talk about growing up. Um, I thank myself for all those hours. I thank myself for, uh, honestly treating my, my teammates well and, and, and being a, trying to be a good person at the rink every day. Cause I, I see old teammates and I see old friends and like those relationships. Now I value them so much more than I did when I just had that get to the top mentality but I also always knew how hard I was in my own head. And I try to be empathetic or, or there for other teammates in, in tough times and things like that. So while that, you know, negativity maybe and, and beating up of the self-talk doesn't, I'm at a point now where it doesn't serve me anymore. It's not what I need out of myself to get to the next level as a player in person. Uh, but at the same time, it helped me be more patient with others, helped me be more composed in dealing with other people because I knew you know, there was a whole relationship that that person had with themselves that I wasn't a part of. You know, And I think it, it made me a good teammate and it also helped me work like a dog at the time. I have one from uh, Colin Olson, who I played with the National Team Development Program. Um, I am... Uh, Granted, we get out of quarantine. I am supposed to stand up in his wedding this summer. But he asked me, he goes, what do you see yourself doing when you're 45? And I told him I, I'm running a massive um, podcast. No, <laughs> um, you know, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to, uh, the NHL isn't like, being a pro athlete isn't a job you can kind of toe dip. Like you got to be all in. But at the same time, I consider this a part of being all in because I think that, you know, I can have these conversations and they're enriching. They don't take away from what I'm doing. They actually add fuel to the fire for how I go about my job every day. I think they'll add to, you know, the mental resiliency after a, a tough day uh, at the rink. Say I, I had a great podcast guest. I was excited to come talk to. Um, and that just kind of livened me up. So this is, I think, taking part in this community of, of, being a lifelong learner and, and, and trying to grow every single day and, and multiple facets. Like this is the world I want to live in. And this is partly a lot of the reason why I want to get into this podcasting game is I look so much up to the people that I listen to that they've got me through tough days going to the rank where I throw on a Tim Ferriss podcast or Joe Rogan's got a cool, you know, uh, person on or, or Peter Atia has got a new recovery modality I hadn't thought of or, or Ben Greenfield's reminding me, you know, to get outside and go grounding. Like these are, that's a part of my mental strength. That's a part of my, my mental edge in terms of manufacturing how I want to 
play and feel every day in the league. Um, so I just know I want to be a part of this community. Like I want to be a part of a group of people trying to improve their lives and the lives of others until the day they die. So at 45, I want it to look like that. And I want to be able to make the kind of money to, to have my family live a healthy and stable lifestyle. And then that those two, I'm going to figure that out. But I mean, you get it. It's just, it's a lifelong commitment to learning. And that's what using this medium in particular, the, like a podcast is, is perfect for, is now you have the opportunity to talk with some of the people that you've always wanted to talk to. But because you have, um, you know, maybe a, a, little, a following or you have this platform that you're building, you have an opportunity to, to, to do so. So not only is it so rewarding for us, um, myself, like producer of it, you as a host, and for us to learn, but you're also facilitating growth with your community and with your fans. And it's, it's all around, it's just incredibly rewarding um, because we're all on a quest to be better in the end of the day, right? Well, and that's, you know, that's what we want to talk about here. We want to talk about like high performance, hockey, mental and, and physical health and well-being, and just kind of refining how we go about those things for me. Like that's, that's my whole world. And then I'd say, honestly, my most immediate goal, like the, the, the hammer really dropped of like, you've got to do this. I think it was uh, Peter T and Tim Ferriss talked about their skill of hosting a podcast and what it's done um, for their listening skills, frankly. I think I'm someone I've always felt comfortable talking because I know it's at my pace and I, I know where I can, I can direct where the conversation's going. And just being an athlete, you know, at, at family parties growing up, like you get a little bit more attention at, uh, in some of my social gatherings. It's, hey, how's hockey going? And so it's an easy conversation I've had a gazillion times. Um, if I go into this world, like I've got to listen to who I'm talking to. And I've got to play a little bit in their arena. So I think it's really just looking in the mirror and, and saying, you know what, I want to do something maybe I'm not naturally always the best at and see what that looks like. And because there's going to be that moment, there's going to be that moment where my guess, it could be you or, or whomever we have on next, and they say something absolutely profound, and I completely forget where the train was going. I have no clue how to get it back on track. I have no clue what question to ask. I might even ask them to repeat it. You know, I, I've, I've, I've done it before in, in day-to-day conversations. So I'm trying to, you know, train that part of me, um, you know, and it's going to take some work. It's funny because if you listen very well, you won't be thinking of what to say next. So it's just hilarious. I know. And that's hilarious. And from, an little... ego, from an ego perspective, you always want to know what you have to say next. You just have to trust that along listening, <laughs> they'll come up with what's right. Like you got to stay, you can't jump ahead. Um, otherwise you won't be there if your guest, you know, takes a turn in any way. This is a good one. How did hockey change you? This is Halsey0904. Oh, he's, he's, your, on, he's your super fan. Yeah, big time. Shouts out to Halsey0904. How did hockey change you once you were drafted to the NHL personality-wise? Um, I think I was super insecure 
and tried to come off as not. So I was always just trying to be as calculated as possible. I remember the first thing I did um, was try and get a haircut that made me look older because I thought I looked like a kid. Yeah. If you if you know, uh, if you can find out that haircut, please let me know. Oh, Lexi's got him. It was, it was tough. She fell in love with my haircut when I first was playing in the league. I went out, I, I, I immediately went out and wanted to, you know, I came into a Washington Capitals team that had, you know, been some, they'd been good for some time. They'd won uh, the president's trophy. You know, everyone had cool cars and cool suits and cool bags. And I just felt I stuck out so sorely. Even Tom Wilson, who I came in the league with, like he just looked older than I did, bigger than I was. And, and I was just more aware of it than I, you know, wanted to be. I think I, uh, I try to be as quiet as I can be, you know, and just, and just be a young rookie, you know, but I'm, I'm a talker and part of that's why we're here. Um, and then I think as I got older year after year, like you, you just realize like, if I'm not going to be myself and, and be a leader in the room or in, in my own little way, like this game might move by you before you ever get the chance to. So that's where I really started to feel more comfortable with myself. And then getting traded, I just became more athletic with my personality. Like I was just, okay, I, it, it, it sucks not being myself. It's not fun being quiet. It's not fun, you know, not being light in the room and pretending to be captain serious. Like I'm going to drop the mask eventually. So you just, you shed that sooner the, the tougher situations you get into. I got a question from Menaces uh, underscore CX. We met uh, her and her boyfriend, Brody, at an event, a uh, charity event last summer for the Shirley Ryan um, Ability Lab. And uh, Brody is a Paralympic um, hockey player as well. So we, we had a lot to talk about. And she asks, uh, what life lesson has playing hockey taught you? I, a lot of habits, a lot of habits in, ter- in terms of work ethic and kind of how it accumulates, how you, how you build skill, how you learn. I'll be grateful to the, to the game, to the day I die for that. Um, I really think the, the beauty or uh, just how fickle momentum can be, it, both in your personal career and in, in a team game, you see kind of the ebbs and flows of, of feeling good about yourself and not and just how that bleeds into your personal life. And then I, th- I think I'm comfortable there. We'll go with those two. Cause I bounce between does the sport reveal character or, or build it. Like I like to think it's both, you know? So there's a lot of moments where the game is realized, helped me realize like my faults, but at the same time, it, it's helped me get over them or, or at least become aware of them and, and build past it. I got a question from Cole R train which is an interesting question. He asked, and I talk a lot about meat and greens on my Instagram. Um, he goes, what do you think of the carnivore diet? And I follow uh, Mark Bell. I think it's uh, Dr. Baker. Do you remember Baker? Um, yeah, it's Dr. Baker. What's his first name? Uh, anyway, he, uh, I, I'm super curious about it. I have worked with a couple of functional medicine um, docs and, and no one's recommended it really to me, um, for, for what I'm trying to do currently as an athlete. 
playing the schedule that we play. But I have to admit, like some of the testimonials are wildly fascinating to listen in on. I just don't think anyone's maybe done it long enough to come up with science. And then, you know, I don't think as human beings, we're all that attached to the facts. Like we want to know the stories. Like how do you, how does someone feel on it? You know, and how does, mm. it's all one of one, you know? I think it's lacking a bit uh, of, a bit of uh clinical trials right now to like truly support it. There's, there's some, um, there's some early research that looks promising, but I think it, it might have to do with whether people are, you know, carbohydrate intolerant and they have really bad blood sugar uh, control and then the reduction of extreme reduction in carbohydrate intake is helping them or they have bacterial growth and now they don't have all those excess fibers that are now fermenting. Like it's, it's very complicated, right? Very. And, and it, it's just something that's, it's in over my skis. I, I try to talk to professionals that know sport performance, that know me and my body. And, and we've done, you know, I've done the, uh, the nutrient service which is kind of like the DNA, DNA um, company. Yep. Um, I've done, uh, you know, multiple Nutrivals that kind of take snapshots of what's going on in my body. And just none of the professionals that I work with have come down with, you know, I think you should try the carnivore diet. With that said, my, my protein's pretty high when I'm tracking, I'm trying to keep it up closer to like 190 grams of protein in season. Uh, and just like, I think adherence, like having a plan you can, you can stick to and feel comfortable living your life in when my proteins higher, a lot of the other crap that you want to eat or, or the late night eating that kind of, you know, things that get into fast and things like that. Uh, when my proteins up, I'm, I'm able to really navigate between the lines. You just that much more satiated. Like, yeah. hundred percent. Like fat and protein are just the most satiating things. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I do get from the vegetable, like carb in that like stomach space when I eat more of that really helps. Mm. Um, but I also think part of that is just because it takes me longer to eat that. You know what I mean? So I'm eating over a longer period of time. I kind of realize it. Uh, so I have one. I have a question from uh, Carissa Kuchis, who's my neighbor growing up, um, national speaker for Tony Robbins. We We talk a lot about this whole uh, podcasting, social media, what kind of influence we want to have in the world a lot. And she asked about marriage, all caps, exclamation point. Have you and Lex gone through rough spots and how did you navigate? We are still waiting for our first fight. <laughs> no, <laughs> Lex is on the couch as I hear this and she is laughing out loud. No, I mean, we've been on quarantine together. Like this is unprecedented relationship time. And I know she's with an earshot, but I am so proud of her like poise and, and patience with me. She's been really good about communicating who she is and, and how she's operating, you know, at that moment, whether that's, Hey, you know, Connor, I'm a little worked up today. I watched too much of the news. I'm not my best right now. And so what a, this comes full circle to when we were talking about a little bit of the stillness in my life and just how treasured it is. Um, we've definitely gone through rough spots. I have definitely noticed the beginning and end of, you know, when, like the, where the line starts of when I'm in a good place and, and how I can massage any issues that we were having into something that's productive and, and at least 
when we're fighting, not creating any further harm, you know, where the argument rolls into like old wounds or you get really nasty with each other versus on the days where I'm, I'm short or I'm hungry or underslept. If I haven't sort of checked in with myself on certain things and I haven't come to a place that's consistent for her to know who she's dealing with that day, those are sort of the red flags. And I'm trying to become more aware of that when I'm in those zones of, frankly, edging on like being a dick. There's no other way to put it. Um, So, so much of it comes down to like, I try to take my fair share of blame and then any extra that's left over. Um, and then Chris Kuchis asked if we want to have kids and that's a big one. Uh, it's something we talk about, um, trying to plan out, but so much of this hockey life is, is unplanned. And and so much of this, you you never know where you're going to play. You never know how long it's going to last. We have the discussion. Do we want our children to be around and aware of like our hockey career, our, our, our time in this game, or do we just let life run its course and, and kind of pull off the, I don't know, lack, you know, wish for lack of, uh, not trying to be so controlling. So I don't know. It's I mean, you're young. We definitely, what's that? Said I mean, you're young. We're young. We're young, but like we always talked about one. I don't know if, if, if everyone says you, you love these kids like more than if they have pets, they say they love them more than their dog. And I don't understand that. Like there is no more room. Like after Hoagie, like we love him so much that if these parents are telling the truth and we will love our future child as much as or more than we love this dog, then tomorrow, tomorrow's a day and no other day will do. Um, but you know, it's still, I guess a little bit more complicated than that. So, <laughs> you know, we're, we have this discussion. Colin Steingard has asked me, oh. I think I know that guy. Who's yeah. That? You're on blast now. Who's that you know guy? You're going to, yeah. What do you want your legacy to be? And that's a heavy question. Like from a hockey perspective, like I want to be known as a great teammate and a guy that left nothing on the table in terms of potential. Like I just clawed and scratched to be the best I could for the guys I go to war with every day as a person. And as a, as a family man, like I'm, I'm trying to continue to build my identity there and just be a more uplifting. So one of the things I write in my journal all the time is be an energetic leader, lead the room to, to live and and be vibrant in a way that, you know, is fun for everyone to be around in. That's something I try to, you know, take into my home life. And I also want to be ambitious in terms of scope, like how many people and, 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 how deeply can I positively impact people's lives? So it's a little bit what we're trying to do, you know, with, with the podcast, with the social media stuff, with the Instagram, not TikTok, shout out to TikTok. Um, actually, that's just what I want my legacy to be. I want to be the best TikToker in NHL history. <laughs> no. um, but it, it's, uh, it's something I think often about. Um, and it's a question that I'll write in my journal from time to time, usually in the evening. And it really helps me think bigger, dream bigger. With the NHL schedule, I get so worried about the game tomorrow night at seven. 
that you just you you run on that treadmill of the routine to try and play well. And that's a beautiful thing too. There's something super special about that hyper focus. Uh, but mentally, I can usually be more resilient when I think of the grand scheme of my life. You know, if if I've got uh, 10 points on there, like no one on their deathbed says, I wish I had 11 points in 2015, 2016. You know, so I, I know this game can be uh, all consuming. It, it can be, you can care so intensely about it. But I want to do more of my life too, because I think I'm, there's more facets than just hockey to me as a person. So Corbs1990 asks, what do you suggest for young kids playing the game that feel pressure from their parents? Mm. And I think some of that has to do with, you know, we talked about that negative self-talk, you know, and, and my parents were hard on me growing up. They demanded that I worked hard. That was all my dad ever really asked for in terms of what I brought to the rink every day was an honest effort. Um, you know, I had coaches that were maybe a little bit more old school and, and, you know, would, would coach hard and, and be heavy on criticism, things like that. I think for young kids, if you're listening and and parents in particular, if you're listening, if you can like make that voice in your head, be like a, a realist with a hint of optimism. I think it's a great way to develop as a young athlete. You want to be, you do not want to be, um, this hyper-confident, arrogant athlete who believes you have no faults because you, you want to know what you're not good at to an extent so you can train it. But at the same time, like that voice in your head, you have to have, you want to have, you want to cultivate a voice in your head that believes you can build towards what you know you're becoming. You're just not there yet. So if you can handle failure with an unwavering knowing that you're going to get there and you're going to do everything you can to enjoy the process along the way. Um, I think if I had a young son or daughter playing ice hockey or really any sport, that's how I'd want them to, to navigate their career. Um, and I also think parents and kids are calling it that too young. Like at some point, you know, parents, like you got a reality check. Why did you get your kid? into sport in, for, in the first place. It was, it was to make friends. It was to learn to be social. It was to learn, you know, the benefits of physical health and movement and being a part of a team. Don't leave those prints. Like those are so important um, for like a long and healthy and rewarding and fulfilling life. So it's, uh, I know parents in sport get a bad rap. I know Corbs is, is from Canada too. So you get a lot of the, the hockey crazed parent, like that, that stereotype is out there. Um, like don't, don't tamper with that love for the game. Don't, don't muddy those waters. Uh, cause once the kid goes sour on the game, it's hard to get it back. And I've seen it happen to kids that I grew up playing against. Um, it, it's hard enough. I played pro at 19. It's hard enough as a 19 year old being treated like a professional athlete. It's, it's really demanding on a 13 year old. Okay. I have a question from. I think it's an L. I think it is an L. L-A-N-T-A-R-E-N. Lantern or Ian Taren, if it's an I, capital I. What's something you don't, all capitals don't, like about being in the NHL? 
um, a million things that are incredible about the NHL. When you're in it, uh, I've actually done this where sometimes I'll just sit there and warm up and stretch. And I don't really stretch during warm up, um, but you can sit there for a moment, just realize how good all the players are on the ice. Like you see them dangling a puck and no one's on them. And you know, you, you see all the different types of players. You look over and you see Charo's, you know, the size of a house and you see, you know, Matthew's wiring one under the bar. And, and it's just, it's such an interesting collecti- collection of talent and it's so much better than any league in the world. The life is great. The travel, like the quality of everything is to the nines. It's, 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 it's the big show. It's the national hockey league. Um, I think some of the, I don't know if I had to pick something I don't like. If I had to really pick something I don't like. I'd say just the, the, how aware you are of, of the scarcity, you know, there's uh it's a competitive game played by competitive people. Um, but you're just always reminded it's in the, it's in the back of your head, just how few jobs there are, you know, and, and, and how you're always being valued. You've always got to be on. And I'm someone that I do enjoy the, the day-to-day grind of it. I enjoy seeing how I stack up, you know, compared to others. Um, you know, in terms of the the world of abundance and and some of these more, um, you know, where, where you're kind of in these concepts where you can kind of control your own destiny and you, and and that's why I'm attracted to like this world. There could be an infinite amount of podcasts and they could all be great, uh, but at the end of the day, in the NHL, there's 700 jobs and there's only so many demon, and you got to be in that. I'd say that maybe. We'll leave it there because I, I think too many sides of the coin where like something you don't like is directly on the other side of the coin of something that you love about the game. And that duality kind of can't have one without the other. You know, the, like for what I just said, you can't, I wouldn't feel so the, the level of achievement of having success in the NHL if it wasn't so hard to play in. Um, so we can go with that. Thank you, everyone. We made it through the first episode of the Connor Carrick podcast. Uh, like, subscribe on YouTube uh, or wherever else you're, you're listening to this on. Colin, thanks for helping me out with the questions to all of our listeners and, and some of my Instagram and Twitter followers. Thank you uh, for submitting those questions. Please, feedback, feedback, feedback. Let me know what you liked, didn't like. Don't make me beg. Uh, we'll be back soon. Um, I look forward to seeing where this goes together. Thank you. Thank you.